This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Cheers and applause, indistinct chatter, laughter, the starting of a podcast. My name is Keen. Venerated but poorly penetrated, I'm James. <laughs> I actually should have written that down. That was a really, really good one. <laughs> Welcome to Sissy That Pod. We are a Drag Race reaction podcast, but you must know that at this stage. Today we're chatting Drag Race España, episode two, with the fantastic Beta and Robbie from the Pause Vibes podcast. Yeah, such a pleasure to talk to them. Veda always brings such an eye to these sort of competitions because she has such an understanding of, of what it takes to be a queen and Robbie was equally enamored enamorable is that what's that the word I'm not I'm not sure what the word is enamorable he's the sort of super fan you want on the podcast yeah. right? he knows his <laughs> shit he likes it as much as us you yeah. know that's what was great to see so yeah a fun episode such an eclectic series eclectic queens and a shit show of a performance Oh my god, yeah, I I thought that it was just kind of, like the whole thing, I kind of felt like I was watching in, 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 in sort of a, a daze of confused, just like colours on the screen, but I, I really am growing to love this cast an awful lot. Well, we have a lot of stuff to get into uh, in this big fat pussy of an episode, so let's get into it. Robbie and Veda, thank you so much for joining us for Drag Race España. This episode, there was there was a lot of lot of learning I felt in this one. It was heavy on the culture. But how how are you finding this spin-off of the franchise, Veda? It might be my favorite spin-off of the franchise so far. It might be my favorite Ooh. version of Drag Race so far. Ooh. I'm absolutely wow. obsessed. I love it. <laughs> what what about it? Is it just the the, the style, the, the queens, the format? I feel like I've walked in walked into a, a proper regular dressing room in any gay bar in Spain and sat down for a kiki with the queens. I feel <laughs> yeah. like they're people I know already and they're hilarious <laughs> yeah. and they're outrageous and they don't seem to take themselves too seriously and they're exactly my cup of tea. Like I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. you, Robbie? Um, I was getting a bit tired a drag race fatigue almost of all mm. the different franchises and i love drag race I, I only got through one episode of drag race down under and i just couldn't bring myself to see the second one but watching espania i just have to you know follow everything follow everything that veda said up because i agree it's like a refreshing almost mm-hmm. you know and i just love 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 all the queens i was actually sad in the first episode and i was hoping for a double chante just so i want to know away. yeah <laughs> I, like, I want to get to yeah. know um, all the more um, <laughs> but uh, it was nice i think they went back to basics i think um yeah it's just back to the queens essentially and the queens was nothing like you know faith almost well we get into some of the characters but like mm. I, I i loved them all I think, uh, you know, before we get into episode two, I felt the same way, like the Macarena left in episode one Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to know her more, but I also Mm -hmm. couldn't think of any other queen that I wanted to sacrifice to save her. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hasta la vista, (laughs) baby, get out of town. (laughs) The cruel world of television elimination. It is a really interesting, it is a really interesting group of queens and they don't seem to be too shy about kind of like coming for each other. Yeah. Like there's, it seems to be like a, like a very, open like there's the ugly busters or whatever it is like I'm very excited to see how that whole trio works out I feel like that's going to be a lot of drama throughout it and then that puppy poison who I was sort of like on the fence with last week but this week like I just am obsessed now because she seems like she's going to be like one of those brilliant villains who's very funny and clever but also kind of like very cutting but yeah I I think it's a this this episode really won me over to it in a big way I'm living for Puppy Poison as well. Like, totally living for her. For exactly that reason, she's the villain. She looks rough as fuck. Why is nobody commenting on the fact that she looks rough as fuck? Did she buy her makeup in pennies? Like, what is going on? But at the same time, she's, like, hilarious. Her, um, her, Her bits to camera, her confessionals, I just think are the best ones. And when she cracked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this episode towards the end, when we saw the emotion yeah. and the vulnerability, I just wanted to squeeze her. She reminds me of Dolly Grip in that way, you know. Wow. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A hard <laughs> shell with a soft center <laughs> and a soft outer shell. 
<laughs> I mean, one thing, uh, like the reason I kind of enjoy the the non English franchise a bit is just the cultural exchange. And boy, am I learning how casual they throw around those really harsh words. Like, how many times did you see the word fag in the subtitles? And even at one point, someone was like, "Yeah, it's like semen on your face." I was like, "What? What's going on?" I don't even. Not... But it is like what? semen on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the judges called one of the contestants a cunt as well. I was yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, she has a massive cunt. <laughs> that was like the alternative Miss Ireland, though. Like, I've seen that many times before. Um, so yeah, at the start of this week's episode, they're singing the Macarena to, to you know, oh. mourn the departing of the Macarena. A, a somber rendition of the Macarena. <laughs> we never thought we'd see it. Oh. Yeah, she been on like an organ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, of course, that, that, that's the introdu- introduction of the Ugly Busters. Like, do we think this is, you know, the new Royal Ascotox? This is, you know, one of the, the biggest cliques of our time. I'm not even I'm, sure who's in the clique. I'm going to confess who's in the clique. <laughs> so I'm, quite, it, I'm quite interested in this because it's Sagittaria. Um, who's that one? That Dovima. 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 And then the other one was and Carmen. Carmen Perella. Mm. Yeah. But like the first episode, you know, Dovima and Sagittaria yes! like just beef, and then the second one they're in a clique again. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I want. That's to know. We never got a new resolution. Yeah. <laughs> I want the Pokemon trees, you know, <laughs> like just killing her, killing her. And they didn't get that, but I hope uh, they fight again and make up because I just love those relationships on TV. We get to see the pit crew for the first time in this episode, uh, a dashing group of men, but actually it reminded me of Canada. And actually in Canada, we had a more, you know, not marketably attractive guy who he didn't have a six pack yet he was kind of more rotund or whatever so I was disappointed that that, that inclusivity didn't follow through to this series yeah it would be great to see that inclusivity across the board absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and plus like not everyone finds that body type attractive mm-hmm. yeah. do you know I, I don't really like the like stocky men like the beefy men like that like uh, just who just spend their life in the gym essentially not to say you know yeah. um, but like I was like I want to see loads of other men you know maybe someone will find someone attractive there rather than just having one yeah. type of the perf- perfect man it's a bit boring kind of at this stage to not have to not have that diversity in there because I think it was in Dragons Holland as well they had like someone who was obviously like a bear as part of the pit crew and it's like you know mm. that's that's they're all part of the community as well and I know like this, it's based on like the, the, the like go-go dancers or whatever it is but it just would be better as they're starting to be more inclusive with casting you know get some get some diverse naked men in there too that's it we want to see big guys in their pants as well as yeah. little skinny guys and go-go dancing is very diverse these days it really is so they, they should reflect that I think like yeah. I always think like that body like is, is attractive but I would wouldn't want to hug it after sex because you'd be I'd feel like I was a can in a presser being like squashed <laughs> and my eyes would be bulging <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, do we want to focus on that that version of Countdown that they were playing? I mean, I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. I didn't any of these understand words. what was going on at all. <laughs> yeah. And I never thought knee pad would be a sex drag word. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. There was really like, well, fever, sausage, <laughs> knee pad. Presumably, yeah. knee pad yeah. is like some blowjob related, you know. Uh, apparel I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like those ads you used to see on QVC for the, like the the gardening pads that you would get oh. for like the middle <laughs> are your knees busted from giving head <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the caption James from flower beds to giving head this will serve all of your needs <laughs> yes <laughs> Sissy, that pad, we're done. Yeah. Okay, yeah, done. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they should invent something for the guy to stand on. I don't want to kneel down. <laughs> like a bar stool works. <laughs> I've tried it. Then you can spin them around. When you're... <laughs> um, yes, this week's challenge, it was a girl group challenge. And uh, because... Ogasio won last week's challenge and Poopy was this year's countdown conundrum winner. They get to choose their teams. Poopy's team and had Inti, Arancha, Dovima and Drag Volcano and they were called five and a quarter. And Ogasio's team had Carmen, Sagittaria and Killer Queen and they were called 
the Metal Donas, as they said repeatedly in the show. Um, who, Robbie, did you think was going to do better before you actually saw the performances? I thought it would have been five and a quarter. I genuinely did because, do you know, the way the edit happens, do you know, I was like, mm. oh, they have mm. a clue. Um, they won't have good choreography. They probably just think it's all about the look. And I thought uh, five and one quarter had better comedy queens as well. So I was like, yeah. you know what? This is going to work for them. I was wrong. <laughs> I was actually wrong. Is it fair to say they were both car crashes? <laughs> like it was a disaster. <laughs> I, I think that this particular challenge, this girl group challenge, is just going to forever suffer from Drag Race UK with UK Hun and Break Up Bye Bye. Because we're always going to be measuring the songs against those. Yeah. And they're never going to live up to them. So this, I was so confused watching all of this perform and really it, it kind of was like, I preferred the outfits on the Metal Donna's team. So they're my favorite for that reason. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to be I'm not going to be spotifying either of the songs. Yeah. Well, well, the first thing is the sound quality was a disaster. It sounded like I was hearing it at the end of a tunnel. Like I just <laughs> I I didn't know what was going on there because yeah, even even like even the lip sync song this week didn't sound that good high res or whatever, but it sounded better than this. I don't know what it was. You're so right. The sound was awful, but I didn't think the song was that bad. I just felt like what they contributed to the song was awful. And the choreography mm. and the lack of solidarity and really Cohesion. coming together. It just felt mm. like the vibe was off. I was screaming at the choreography. They obviously didn't show the parts where they were trying to make the choreography and completely, like, didn't take notice of it because yeah. it was so bad. But they're all just dancing, doing their own thing as if they're on, like, the George stage or something. <laughs> How <laughs> they <dare> you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not the drag, like, me drunk at 3am dancing at the George stage. So you're saying <laughs> Good save, babe. <laughs> we saw the... Um, like them recording their lyrics with Supreme, which I thought was interesting that it's like, oh, oh, the RuPaul is going to be doing the, the, the tracks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't see the choreography. So maybe it was really like in the hotel room at one o'clock in the morning sort of vibe. I, I, do, I, I assume that it was just terrible. I think it's what Robbie was saying, that the, 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 the dancing and the choreography was awful. And they were like, we just don't want to show this. We're going to try and like do camera work to ignore the dancing. Because during the five and a quarter performance, I don't know if you noticed, like, with the exception of um, Puppy, all the rest of them were kind of just, like, standing there lost. Like, as if they mm. just had come out of a coma and were like, where the fuck am I? It was very distracting to watch, particularly mm. Inti, who actually probably had my favourite lyrics of the whole thing, even though she then ended up in the Big bottom. Pussy. But, like, yes, yeah. I love the Big Fat Pussy. <laughs> I, it was my favourite. But she kind of just was meandering around the stage, like, as if she was, like, I don't know, uh, like she'd lost something. It's like she didn't know yeah. where the audience was and where the camera was. It was really weird. But yeah. my take on it was that Puppy Poison was just going mental off script. That's what it looked like to <laughs> me. Like they came out together and then she just went for it and they didn't. And it yeah. kind of threw them all. And she looked nuts, like insane. <laughs> At the end of the episode, the judges were congratulating her and they're showing the footage of her doing that and her in the horrible animal print <laughs> outfit. And you're like... What's going on? <laughs> but Puppy is a seasoned queen. When I say seasoned, not in terms of makeup and clothing, but like she can, I think it's just her charisma on stage that make them fall in love with her. Yeah. And it's something yeah. that yeah. quite a lot of the younger queens just do not have. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I mean, in yeah. terms of like, I mean, we, you know, I don't understand. I don't speak Spanish. I didn't understand the words. Of course, we got the the, the translations and the bottom. But what was important for me anyway was the flow and and how the words bounced off each other. And some of them, like Poopy, I thought did a really good job of the flow. And I was kind of you could feel the beats of the of the rhythm matching the beats of what she was saying. Whereas there were some other people like Drag Volcano, where I was like, you're just you know, you're not hitting the beats of the song at all. That was awkward when like Drival kind of was like taking the jacket off on stage and like they were like literally having to reef <laughs> it off. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I bet there. I bet they done that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. like, Let's make this look so bad. Let's kick this crit bitch home. <laughs> yeah. uh, Arancha was somebody who I also thought was quite poor and like they couldn't find the spotlight for about the first half of their verse and they were kind of just mostly moaning. I thought they were. They were actually yeah. the weakest of that five and a quarter bunch, I thought. 
I love her though. I get a big Shirley Temple Bar energy, a big Riyadh Khalifi energy when he used to drag <laughs> as Roxy Hart. And I just love that kind of character where it's all about the personality. So even though I knew she'd end up in the bottom, I, I was really happy that she was saved. I, I thought I could just, I was looking at her and I was just seeing sort of Busy Phillips in a bad remake of Coyote Ugly. And I was like, this... <laughs> Uh-huh. This is unusual, but her face just—I love her face. I and like one of my favorite talking heads as well. I think really naturally funny and like yeah. has like a has like a, a glow of a personality that comes out. So deserved, I think, to be in the bottom. But I was very glad that they were saved because I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Because um, Drag Volcano had a very interesting style of drag and brought like a different like element of Spanish drag to the show. So I was wondering if they were going to try and keep them around for a little while to to show a bit more of that Grand Canarian drag. Um, mm. But ultimately, I don't think their personality was holding up to the other to the other queens. I'm just going to guess that not only that, that she was driving the producers mad or something because nobody seemed to warm to her. There was like a wall up there. There was no crack, yeah. and she looked incredible and her accessories were incredible her makeup was beyond but nobody was rooting for her and they just booted her off so quickly and unceremoniously and i feel like it's because it's not quite drag it's like circus street performer vegas performer there's something about it that they find like uh, confrontational i think yeah well i felt with everything she wore i thought it was really really strong from the waist up and I think she kind of kept forgetting <laughs> about her legs and because her legs are long and she's standing on things that make her legs look longer it actually makes it look like there's 60% of the outfit that's missing rather than you know 50 or 40 or whatever that's what I mean by circus performance street performer that's exactly what okay. I mean about the aesthetic you know that it's all on top and it's all about the height when you're out in the Yumbo Centre or wherever mm-hmm. it's for giving out mm-hmm. flyers yeah. really and it's amazing yeah. I'm not dissing it, but I felt like there was something about the genre that seemed to alienate the other queens. Mm-hmm. But she was right yeah. to bring up, why are they not asking the other girls for versatility? Like, do you know, yeah. the skinny bitches exactly. are coming out in fucking tank tops the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And they get away with it because they have the quote unquote model body, essentially. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's still not fair. Like that is her mm. thing. But like, they're not calling out other queens for their, you know, crutches and yeah. their body being a crutch. I think she had a point. No real talking heads, no real crack with the girls, not much personality. Like, yeah, sounds like lots of drag queens I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we move on to the Metal Donnas, Robbie Vera, you host Pause Vibes. It's all about people with HIV you, you open up you have difficult conversations very personal conversations there was a personal conversation in this episode between Supreme and Poopy when they said and I wonder would you agree that they like watching straight porn because the eye makeup is so bad <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know I've never what? watched straight porn Really? <laughs> well, two very important <laughs> topics that we don't talk about enough in society <laughs> <Yeah>. today. Poor <laughs> straight people. I make up. No, I do. No, I do know that. Um, I do remember. Like, so my boyfriend bought these like sexy cards in Amsterdam one time, and we were playing a drinking game with the cards. And I just remember my friend Claire. She turned to me. And she said, look at that. And I looked over and it was a pretty risque scene of a woman being um, fisted. I think there was piss going on as well. And she just said, that eye makeup is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no wonder if she's been pissed on. (laughs) I was going to say, waterproof, darling, waterproof. (laughs) I draw the line at getting pissed on, but up to and including... Getting this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and always a waterproof mascara as well. Always. <laughs> um, right. So, Metal Dada's, um 
I mean, Carmen knows how to work the stage, mm. right? But she didn't look comfortable. That that whole group was so bizarre. It was like Bjork had replaced Jesse and Little Mix. Like it was so odd with Hugo there in that like crazy costume, beautiful costume, but just didn't I feel didn't feel mm. like it ma- meshed in with what the rest of the group. Because it was like I don't know. Uh, Carmen was sort of giving me that Eleni Farini from Eurovision two years ago, and then it was like very kind of European pop stars, and then this like over the top kind of Bjork like creature. Which it just was sort of a bit, a weird mesh. Just really stood out to me for some reason. They, I think it was just a better energy or something because we know mm. everything else wasn't there. So I, I don't know. Maybe that was just me. And maybe my perception is so messed up for all the alcohol I drank over the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think in terms, I think it just ended better. I think mm. uh, Hugasio and Killer Queen had two of the best verses of the bunch, I think. Uh, Hugasio kind of sang theirs and again really good flow whereas Killer Queen rapped it and there she was the only one who rapped theirs and it's funny to read how uh, hear how nicely it sort of flows in Spanish and then in English it's just such a mouthful so it was mm-hmm. like out with hatred more diversity it's like that is a mouthful <laughs> when she says it in Spanish it flows so well do you know what I love most as well? Uh, Poopy at the beginning was like, oh, do you know, the Metal Donnas have Killer Queen. I heard her saying she's crap. She's got to bring the down. And I was like, she killed it. Yeah, she was the best. <laughs> loved it. I was like, yes, go Killer Queen. I think Killer Queen's the dark horse of the whole series. I love how she just keeps mentioning that she's a doctor. It's so fun. Like, it's so camp. She's so camp and adorable. And her drag is great. Yeah. Like, she looks great when she's painted up. I really like her. Um, but I'm absolutely mm-hmm. in love with Ugasio, like in love. And the outfit mm-hmm. in the performance was exquisite, but she needed a drag mom. Because if I had been there, she would not have gotten away with trying to wear that in a group number. The others looked great together. And if she had just brought her own style, but really accommodated theirs as well, the whole mm-hmm. thing would have looked so much better. And they were a better group. And that would have been enough to elevate the whole thing. I love yeah. her, but I feel like she let the team down a bit in her choice of outfit. And it, I think it contributed to, to the strange, uncomfortable vibe between them. But that was nowhere near as strange as in, or as uncomfortable as the other group. It's like, you're the backing singers in my number was the message. And she needed a drag mother to put her over their knee tenderly, <laughs> finger her for a while, and show her the error of her ways. It's just not drag, darling. <laughs> Uh, this week we have Bade and Robbie joining us and they do they're not hosted by the Headstuff Podcast Network but they are produced by uh, that's the sort of podcast you know caliber that is on our Headstuff Podcast Network of which we are home so if you'd like to support us if you'd like to support the creation of other podcasts like the Pause Podcast and all of our sibling podcasts like Double Love we had them on recently then head over to headstuffpodcast.com become a premium member you'll be supporting the shows you'll get you know bit of bonus content as well to be honest we're doing two shows a week for you so we don't have that much time for bonus content but if you'd like to say thank you we would say you're welcome mm. as, as i said uh, last day the the pubs are reopened again mm. you can you can purchase us a pint if you've enjoyed listening to us over the course of the lockdown fire over to the headstuff podcast network and buy us a pint yeah. for well actually it would just be a pint between us because it's only five mm. euro and actually a pint between us and kind of like a, a like an establishment that sells pints for five euro so really you know, yeah, it's it's, a, it's yeah, half a know. Cosmo, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not as catchy as buy us a coffee. Buy us half a Cosmo, and uh, we'd be very <laughs> grateful. <laughs> but yeah, other shows on our podcast include this one with PJ Gallagher and Suzanne Kane, and it is called Dubland. Dublin podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic headcase me PJ Gallagher doing our best to put a smile on your face it's a midlife it is literally a midlife crisis podcast start from next week we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting excuse me and you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant topics material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us but stick with us too thank you Will we jump on to the runway? So the runway was basically 
you know, a night of a thousand La Veneno. Did you guys look her up? Yeah, I already was aware of, of her. Okay. Um, I haven't watched the TV show yet, but I've heard amazing things about it. Mm, I rem- it made me want to watch it after after this episode. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I fully intend to, except I've kind of sickened myself of television in this lockdown and I just can't bear <laughs> it right now. But I have okay. seen lots of YouTube clips over the years um, and some of them are in Spanish and I haven't seen them with subtitles. So I'm more familiar with her aesthetic and her vibe than I am mm. with the, the content. And uh, I thought it was a great choice to do a tribute. I haven't seen that anything like that on any of the other franchises or any mm-hmm. of the other shows. Like obviously yeah. we've seen big icons like a Madonna runway or whatever, but not a trans icon and not such a uh, integral queer icon for that place and I thought that was great yeah no absolutely um I suppose a bit of background for everyone else who's listening um so she and, and correct me on these I, I got wrong Veda but she's a singer actress tv personality and she's a massive LGBT icon in Spain uh she kind of gave me kind of Katie Price vibes in that way that she's like this calamitous, always drama going on in her life. Uh, you know, she's been to jail for insurance fraud. Her boyfriend has ran away with her money. She then hosted her own chat show and then she lost all the money she put out in jail for another reality TV show. Then she opened up that she had bulimia. Then she released a memoir. Then she re- and then she died in 2016. Um due to an accidental fall in her apartment that a lot of people are suspicious about because she made a lot of enemies with her memoir. But <clears throat> the Wikipedia did make me laugh because it was like, uh, in 2019, a plaque was unveiled in her honour in Madrid. A week later, it was stolen. Uh, <laughs> and I have it here in my kitchen. It's back up. Yeah. It's back up now, don't you worry. Um, so yeah, that TV show, the, the Veneno, um, was produced by the two people, guys in the panel. The Javier, Javier's, yeah. I think yeah, that was cool. And the guest judge, Paca La Parana, was her best friend and plays her best friend in that TV show. And how brilliant was she? What a hilarious she was great. amazing know, judge. Yeah. Loved her. Fantastic. Give her a contract. Like, yeah. totally mm. incredible. <laughs> and she was even funny in the translations as well, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit, of, a bit about her. So, yeah, I mean... You could kind of guess kind of what was it about like her. I think her uh, memoir was called Not a Saint Nor a Whore. And you can kind of see that was kind of a theme throughout the runways of people kind of merging from one to another. So first up was Sagittaria. She kind of came up, you know, basically a reveal into practically a naked body. Um, it was great, though. I was I was I, pleasantly I, surprised. That's the most skin I've ever seen on the Drag Race runway. That was like, I mean, I, I, I want to know the mechanics of how that all worked. <laughs> Most queens have more skin than that on their arm. Like that wasn't a lot of skin. That was a chicken wing with a bit of sellotape. It was so weird. I loved it, and I loved her bravery for doing it. I totally applaud, applaud it. But I, I wasn't blown away by it as an aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, look, we all know if this was the US, Michelle would be like stop relying on that body. I think at this point, uh, but um, it was uh, it was kind of brave how how much of below deck we got to see or not see. I suppose. Yeah. I did mm-hmm. enjoy it, but like you said, Robbie, I'd like to see something now where she actually wears clothes rather than rather. Yeah, than she should wear platform boots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been her challenge. Yeah. <laughs> right. Next up was Poopy Poison in her. In her, you know, uh, hen party, Shania Twain, (laughs) yeah, exactly, Couture. I mean, how do we judge Poopy Poison? (laughs) Harshly. (laughs) I'm just kidding, I like her. Um, The outfit, I'm sure, is is very appropriate to the character, and the judges seem to love it, and I got all of that, but it did feel like she bought it down the market off Cat Slater. Um, Yeah, absolutely. A very hen party hat. It was just a bit yeah. odd. Yeah, Cat Slater Safari. It was like it was very. It just looked cheap by when you put it next to all the rest of them as well. Like I kind of think that there is a, and I think that's one of the things people keep coming back to. Drag Race is that there's this expectation that you're going to have these super expensive costumes, and we should probably be trying to get away from that because if you're creative and have the the personality that should kind of be enough but i do think it needs to feel like it didn't come out of like a like a wish.com order um which this kind of had but i kind of feel at this point that poopy is choosing this cheap aesthetic is choosing this almost like bad taste is her taste aesthetic and then it throws me off guard to be like 
well, it is very her. So is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. <laughs> she delivers, like on the runway, she presents it and sells it. But everything that she's worn and her makeup and every wig, everything from the first walk on Yodelay outfit has just been some kind of a fancy dress shop Halloween shite. Mm. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. That's the thing I love about it is how funny and ballsy and shady she is with everyone as if she's the queen of sheep. <laughs> and then she steps into her cowgirl outfit. You're like, what is going on? What? So she opens the plastic on her Smithy's next costume for the next one. Throws the cardboard bit with the picture of the person wearing it, like on the ground and, and Velcros it on. Like, what the fuck? So next up was Drag Volcano. And again, like I thought this was really, really strong from the waist up um, with the headpiece and everything. I, I, I like I, I wasn't I mean, I don't know Christina Ortiz, so I don't know what this tied to her. It was a memorial on the head, I think. But yeah, look good. Yeah, I loved it. Like, I don't know if it was um, it was the right La Venon aesthetic. But I loved it as a piece of art, mm. as a tribute. The photos and the way that it yeah. was all pieced together looked absolutely stunning. Like, I would have let her stay for the headpiece alone mm. if there mm-hmm. hadn't have been the controversy about the footwear. She kind of lost me there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I screamed laughing when Paka said she should be in the corner of her room. <laughs> <laughs> I screamed. Oh, my God. Perfect. People walking over with their 50 cent to light a candle on her. <laughs> uh, next up then was Inti and they did their a real sort of saint to whore transition, um, which was one of the best I would have thought for the night, even though I... Is it is it not a faux pas to not have something blocking the end of your breast pad? I loved the effect, but the breastplate was a big issue. You know, mm. she looked really like true to the original look that she was trying to create. And also uh, the proportions were right because at that stage, I think that Christina had a lot of surgery and was more of a cartoon version of herself. Um, but yeah, the hiding the breastplate top and tail I think it's very important. And a macrame dress is not really going to do that. I think Inti is the most beautiful thing in the show. Absolutely stunning. And I love Mm -hmm. her style. And I enjoyed this runway, but I didn't feel like that that is the right look for her or how I picture her. And I found it a bit surprising that she became very emotional about the dysmorphia Mm. of the breasts because the breasts were so humongous. (laughs) Yeah. I loved her. I thought that was interesting. I, I, I think I 100% agree in terms of any time their confessional comes on, I'm just blown away. I could just look at that person first. Like, yeah. All, yeah. all yeah. day. So beautiful. Oh my God. I kind of loved it. I didn't, re- I didn't even notice the breastplate, but I loved when she went like, she done something at the end of and her, the tiff fell out. And I was like, yeah. yes, was like, that's <laughs> the chaotic energy I love on a runway, you know, but I didn't get the rest, but I actually just loved the outfit, I thought, like, brought out fun. I, I thought she looked fab, and um, I liked the kind of reveal into the same thing, and I, her face is just so captivating, like, beautiful in the, in, in the confessionals, and then, like, when painted, just... It's mesmerizing to look at. I I was kind of surprised that Inti ended up in the bottom three. Like there was something weird about the energy, and I think maybe like kind of uh, they're they're in their own heads a little bit. If the if that dysmorphia is kind of carrying through, it is going to impact how maybe you're performing. But I thought maybe this week, I I was sort of surprised to see them in 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 the bottom. To be honest with you, um, because I did think they looked good. They did a good job on the challenge, and then. Well, with the exception of the fact that they were kind of at the back of the stage with not really any clue what they were doing and they were dancing. And I really liked this macrame look. I, I really enjoyed their conversation about dysphoria. I mean, enjoy is probably the wrong word, even though they're because they were crying. But, you know, it, it did make me feel like it must be difficult if you're trying to transition and 
you're you're flipping between one look and another like it must kind of make you kind of lose track in your head and i have heard kind of reports as well as those kind of the gender swapping filters or the sex swapping filters on instagram and stuff can be quite bad uh for people's dysphoria to see them in one way if it'll take hormones or whatever to get them there so i I thought that was a good conversation i don't think it's one we've had before on the show in any of its guises yeah i don't think we've had it like in this way before Mm -hmm. and i thought it was a great conversation to have and, and a very interesting insight into what she is going through and i think for a lot of of trans people it's not a straight line and it's not just a black yeah. and white decision it's like am i going to make changes through surgery through medication am i just going to make changes through you know meditation through personal growth am i going to do all of the above it's a very big question and i can understand how upsetting it must have been for her yeah. in the moment because she had such a strong personal connection to Christina and a bit of a yeah. history. It was great yeah. though on TV. Like just like you said, I, I enjoyed it, but enjoyed is probably not the right word, but I'm glad it's there. Yeah. And I think that previously with um trans contestants in drag race it's kind of been at the end we we've seen them in the show represented at the end of their journey. And kind of like where, kind of say like we had Gottmik on the the last season of, of, of US and that's someone who is like, you know, very much completed the journey that they're on and it's sort of established in themselves. Whereas it's interesting to kind of see a bit of like, I suppose the vulnerability that the person has and the vulnerability that the person like has to, when they're going through this in their own head like they're surrounded by people who, like everyone was like oh we love you you're amazing you're one of the most divine people but still w- within within themselves and he was was so incapable of seeing that and was struggling with it so i think it's it's an important reminder to all of this of the vulnerability of trans people as they're going through that journey and how they need to be supported um, and i think it was really nice to see that represented in that way on the show on the topic of trans uh, people next up is killer queen with their trans angel look I uh, really loved it. I kind of wish, I think whatever with the studio lights kind of made the distinction between that light blue and the light pink and the white less obvious. But great idea. I, Of course, I love the concept. Uh, Anting fairies, I love. I did, I wish it was elevated a bit more. Do you know, mm. I, again, mm. it was a bit costumey. And I was like, I, I, I loved it. And I thought the colours are actually lovely. I get what you mean by the stage lightings. I actually think the stage is too colourful that it takes away from a lot of the dresses mm. um, in this particular one. But um, I... I love the concept. I actually like some of it. I just call it could be an elevated. That's that's my thoughts. So. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Like I love the concept and I love the representation, but those sort of wing things, unless it's like Victoria's Secret quality, unless you're Courtney Act, mm. don't even yeah. try it. If it's bamboo sticks and chiffon, <laughs> come on, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Next up when was Dovima. Um, yeah, this was the red cortex or red latex kitten with a whip. Um, and then they had let like the catchphrase, let them come by uh, on the back of the jacket. Uh, this was, I think this was one of the best of the night for me anyway. It was beautiful. Like, I love the look. It was like a Nagel painting from the 80s. It was like a very fashion model pop star look at like gem and the holograms the misfits all of those good things i love mugler darling mugler um and i ate it up it was one of my favorites too and i also would wear it i wanted it it was a give it to me moment which doesn't happen with me that much on drag race you know Mm. um yeah she's my girl it was good to see kind of because this had more bondage tones like she did last week it was good to see that it actually got to be realized this week because last week was a bit of a hit and a miss and contemporary and clean and sharp and not just we see after gown after gown we see kind of flower arrangement peacock feather after a flower arrangement peacock feather or whatever you know it was very stripped down and graphic and i liked the text and the graphic design it was a 10 for me darling our rant chat was up next yeah i wasn't a fan of this this was really sort of it was just it was just a mesh over a corset right yeah, it was a hot mesh. Was a hot mesh An ugly mesh. I'm sorry. 
It was like the oranges had fallen out of the net. It was just (laughs) cheap and not substantial. I felt bad for her. And I, I admire her for putting her body out there like that and using her body. That's great. Um, but it wasn't enough of a costume and it didn't celebrate her body or do anything for her body. And, you know, mm-hmm. hog body, I think, is the uh, expression that adored the Yeah, used I was to thinking, use. yeah. It's like, we all have just got to, you know, adorn ourselves a bit better than that. And that's the lesson that I hope she learned. I, I love the delusion of people who bring bad outfits, but in the kind of voiceover, <laughs> they're trying to sell themselves. I'm like, <laughs> I am fine that. I'm like, how much delusion do you need to try and... <laughs> lots. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. lots. <laughs> love it. Next up was Ugasio Crucciente. And for, I would say I thought the look was great. I felt... It was over over concept, like, oh, I think she's a superhero, so I'm going to just do a kind of superhero. I just thought it was maybe three steps away from where, where it should be in the concept. But the actual garment feels the wrong word, but the actual presentation I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, I thought this was a matter of having a really cool elf outfit. And as like an artist, or, like, you know, they can make anything conceptual. Do you know what I yeah. mean? They can make mm, yeah. a reason for like a <laughs> banana in a, do you know what I mean? Another concept around it. I think she's like, this yeah. is killer. She's a superhero to me. And then that was the only top process that went into that, yeah. to be honest with you. No, yeah, she had the yeah. outfit. She was like, I'm going to have to use this outfit. It's like having a hand of cards playing poker. You bring whatever number of outfits you have. And some of them, you know, are assigned to certain challenges. And then you have a few wild cards. And she obviously didn't have anything super appropriate. But she had this great outfit. That's what I got from it. And again, if I had been in the room, I'd just be like, where's your wig, girl? Like, <laughs> yeah, I would have bought the superhero thing 100% if she had 28 inches of like good synthetic hair on the back of her head. You know, because <laughs> that's the type of yeah. character she's supposed to be presenting or representing. And I don't think that it was sincere what she said about the superhero thing. I just wasn't buying it. But I love her and I love her look. It was amazing. And I love how she's not afraid to yeah. use colours. Do you know, she does mm-hmm. everything she does is just so colourful and eye-catching. Do you know, I'm, I was happy, yeah. she was very happy she was safe this week. No, I think she's going to be one of like the best makeup queens and best costume queens we have like, seen on Drag Race because like everything she's doing is spectacular. But this did very much feel like I've got this, so I'm going to try and find a way of wedging it in. Somebody who I thought had a perfectly executed concept and had really thought it out on many different layers was Carmen Farella with the red cape into the anaconda. I mean, must have the biggest bicep in the room by the end of that i thought it was fantastic so gorgeous absolutely loved it it was amazing mm. i was a bit bored by it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? Really? look i thought the snake was beautiful she was beautiful yeah. but again it just didn't excite me oh no, do you know what? I d- it didn't excite me and to be honest to drag volcano is that what they're called yeah um uh, like yeah. at least they had the evolution like it was a tribute to, do you yeah. know, to who do I, what's the name of the person they were trying to... La Veneno? La Veneno. Like, that was a tribute. Well, this, I I don't know. Like, but obviously, like, you know, that the, the, the judge who was a designer saying this is the best way to do it. Like, I think mm. they know best than me. But just as a, a spectator, it's like, it's lovely, but it doesn't excite me. Yeah, I think it's all about the interpretation. And, and I think for the judges, it was quite literal whereas for the contestants it wasn't Mm, so for the judges she really did look like La Veneno Mm. and she was like that means venom and Mm. she had the snake and she had the face and the face was spot on sexy femme girl realness to me Karma had to win rightful winner right outfit good choices yeah, and it gave me yeah. that, like, the, the similar vibe of it being sort of religious and it was like Eve, but it was also the snake represented the temptation, which was the promiscuity. And the penis. And the, the penis, exactly. <laughs> I just was like, this works on so many levels. And there's another, there was another level that she explained that I've forgotten now as well. So yeah, I just thought thought it was great. And I, it's like a... I didn't get all those references, but now that you're saying them, I was like, okay, it was a class look. <laughs> okay. yeah, I appreciate that. That's me, uncultured. Didn't know... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know the Spanish for Venom. <laughs> but also, it's like, 
it was it's an easy enough gimmick in concept that no one but no one has ever done it mm. before as well which i thought was good uh puppy is a high and then it's uh dorima nurmi inti uh no sorry drag volcano inti and arancha castilla la mancha who are in the bottom three, and yeah, Inti is safe. The lip sync song is La Veno's La Veneno Veneno Palupiel. Um, had you heard that song before, Veda? No, I've never heard this song before. I haven't heard that song since. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, will you ever hear it again? I don't know. Do I have to. <laughs> Did you think uh, Arancha Castilla La Mancha was the right winner of the lip sync? I kind of did, but but only based on personality. You know, I enjoyed her performance more. I didn't really enjoy the volcano's performance so much. I felt like she never really erupted. And there was just an awkwardness with her being in her Stillwalker vibes after the mm-hmm. conversation had happened. I mean, for her, for us, it just felt awkward. The odds were stacked against her from the start. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit stupid bringing platforms for every runway when you might have to lip sync. Like, you know, just don't. Yeah. However, what I will say is my eyes are drawn to her because some people just have a natural star quality. Do you know, you're just drawn to their face. And I really think Drag Volcano has that. We just didn't get to see much of it. However, what I will say about Adrancha is that she gave more socks on stage. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I, I thought she deserved yeah, to say there was more fight in her. There's more fight, yeah. but, but less yeah. of the star quality on stage from what I've seen. So I really can't wait to see mm. Arantia just grow a little bit. That's, that's what yeah. I look for. Yeah, I think I think that she had like a, a massive personality, and once she like learns a bit more how to kind of use it, she's going to be kind of unstoppable. Whereas the drive kind of was kind of relying on this aesthetic, like and it's a ama- it's an amazing aesthetic, but I think it it was it was going to get old pretty quick on the on the show if it was going to be the same thing every every week. Yeah. I see a kind of Trixie Mattel quality to Arantxa Mm. and I feel like with a little bit of a glow up she's going to give us some kind of teen Trixie vibes and that we're going to eat them up so that's my Mm. oh I love that yeah Spanish Trixie Mattel (laughs) (laughs) well in next week's episode somebody leaves somebody leaves the competition it seems Um, and if if we are to believe a trailer which we never should it looks like it could be Killer Queen. So it'll be interesting to see who it goes and, and why. There's an emergency. There's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, doctor, there's a new COVID variant. Get back to the hospital. I think it might be uh, Vivo. Maybe. They she's she's, she's given up. Exactly. And um, also at the very first episode, she's like, I don't belong here. Yeah. Very adored Delano vibes. Do you know about that? Yeah. She actually yeah. said those words, so I think it could be her. I think she's two in her head, and uh, she needs a bit of growing up to do. <gasps> You've upset me deeply, just because you could be right. And like, I, I was like, I don't care who goes home. And then you said that, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I don't want her to go home. <laughs> I just like to see her have a chance to grow a little bit mm. before she goes. Grow and go, bitch. Yeah. Grow and go. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a bit about Pause Vibes. I've been really enjoying it. That there's such heartfelt mm-hmm. conversations with people with a positive status. Do you want to describe it in your own words? Well, uh, we're, we have done five episodes so far with the Pause Vibe podcast. Four have been released. So ne- the next one's out next Friday. And do you know what? We, we just came together because uh, we really just wanted a platform voices that people live in HIV out there because mm. one we all live fun chaotic lives <laughs> and they're interesting stories anyways but you know there's a real silence around HIV in this country and we've never had higher HIV rates and a lot of the time when we talk about HIV it's HIV prevention HIV testing but if you get HIV positive diagnosis well then it stops there do you know what I mean <laughs> then you just go mm. out take your meds become undetectable and we wanted to show that there's actually much more to live with HIV and that everyone has a journey of HIV and we hope that by sharing other people's stories that we can help them on their journey and um, do you know Veda's just brilliant that creative mind of theirs you know they're like let, let, let's just have a kiki let's spill the tea and the tea is spill our trauma but yeah. like <laughs> making a trauma fun you know trauma but make it sexy yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah basically I think well, what, one of the things that we enjoy being most is sledgehammers against stigma and that's our own personal 
uh, mission. It's practically our men in black type <laughs> characters. And uh, what we're really doing with the podcast is attacking stigma in any way that we can. And we've got such a great opportunity to do it because we have all these different episodes where we can explore different themes. And um, we also are profiling all of these amazing, hot, sexy, smart people. So I consider them to be thirst traps, those people. I like to present them in that way, like they're someone you want to bring home to meet your mom. They have a good pause dick that you want to get your hands on. <laughs> you know they're safe to have sex with. They've been traumatized, so they're vulnerable and emotionally in touch with themselves. And, you know, and just really bring sexy back for pause people. The science is there. The U equals the U. So it's time for the D to equal the D, where you don't discriminate from D to D based on HIV status. So that's really part of what we're all about. And only part. <laughs> I think it's, it's, re- it's really, really important to be doing that and to be sharing those stories because an awful lot of the HIV narrative gets lost back in the 80s and you see things like mm-hmm. It's a Sin coming out and that's where people's mindset kind of stops about it. And yeah. I think like bringing it to talk about it today and in a positive way and in a way that kind of, you know, moves the conversation forward from that period of time, I think it's going to be really powerful and so helpful to people who get a diagnosis and then can hear positive stories of people who've like moved on to have amazing, crazy lives beyond the diagnosis when it might feel still like you've got that kind of like anxiety attached to it um, coming from the like 80s and 90s. Do you know what? And it's, well it's done. <laughs> pr- primarily, I wanted a resource for people of HIV, but actually, HIV sits on the intersection of so many different things. Do you know? So, um, just from our conversations, it's like come to terms with your sexuality, with your trans identity. Do you know? Um, so yeah. it, it it's much broader. And all my friends who've watched it were like, Robbie, I found that so relatable. Do you know? And they're not living with mm. HIV, and I, I that's what I love. They're they're just trying to they're learning of being better people, understand themselves through the stories of others, and it's it's just been a beautiful experience and it's good fun along the way as well so um just tune in see see for yourself but it, it's good fun <laughs> platforms have been packed up and are heading back to Grand Canaria to the Umbo Centre where I hope to be following them um, in Ju- in September of this year which will be very exciting I'll be looking out for Drag Volcano crying around the Umbo Centre after the poor performance oh, maybe on, we, you uh, could do a roving reporter style I will, that's what I'll do I'll be I'll be like looking for the Vivian and Drag Volcano over in the drag bars of uh, Grand Canaria yeah. You know, in, in and out of all those dark rooms to find the answers to the questions that we're all looking for. Drive Volcano? Anyone here Drive Venerated and no longer poorly penetrated. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, like we said, if you'd like to support us, um, head over to headsofpodcast.com or you could follow us at sissy.pod. Um, and yeah, DM us. Let us know what you think. Did you enjoy the episode? All that sort of stuff. We'll be back with you on Monday for the penultimate episode of Drag Race Down Under which is exciting so have a lovely weekend and we'll chat to you then see you love you Bye. bye this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.